0: It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, inside sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Ched
1: Quick update in the National Hockey League: the Penguins and the Bruins going at it tonight. One nothing for uh, Boston. That you know what? The, the, uh, why am I still using the NHL website? They're they're. You you should all be booing me for using the NHL website. Uh, It is horrible. So I'm uh, going to a different source to get my scores. Uh, 2-1, Boston leading Pittsburgh late in the second period. The NHL website still says this game is after one. Montreal leads Washington 4-1 after two. Uh, Holtby pretty upset after being pulled. The NHL website still says it's 3-1 with 11 minutes left in the second period. Uh, San Jose and Colorado, Buffalo and Anaheim a little bit later on. And uh, Minnesota now ahead of the Raptors, 70-69 halfway through the third quarter. If there's anything that should be booed, it's the NHL website. Can we agree on that, Matthew Panashik?
2: Did they get the guy that did the CFL website to do the NHL website too? The, or the what?
1: NHL website is worse the uh, the NHL website is now the worst sports website that I think most Canadians would go to fairly regularly I mean certainly Canadians would go to NFL CFL NHL you know the big four plus the CFL I mean the the CIS website Canada West website is better than the NHL website like I I'm, I'm sure the I'm sure the St Vincent's floor hockey league website is better than the NHL's website 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text six thirty six thirty. 630 You know what we'll have to do a show on closer to football season is are you going to boo Chris Jones when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders come to town? Jim is on the line. Hello, Jim.
3: Hey, Reed. How are you doing tonight?
1: I am doing wonderful.
3: Two topics, the Oilers and, and the new proposal from Northlands, if we have if we have time to do it.
1: All, uh, yes. Go ahead.
3: Let's talk about the Oilers. You know, we, we talk about what's wrong with this team. Accountability up until this year has never been there. Uh, if we look in the past, you know, you can get rid of all the players you want, you get rid of all the coaches you want, but unfortunately, until this year, the GM and the president and everybody else is safe in this organization. And it blows me away that we want everyone to be held accountable except for the, for certain people.
1: So you, so you're, you're. I assume you're frustrated with where the team is at, but you like some of the people that are in place. Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah, except for, I mean, McTavish is still there. I'm not sure what he's doing. Maybe he's sweeping floors. He's guys. Yeah, yeah, he's he's still
1: scouting, as far as I know.
3: Well, God help us there. And then, then there's blow. I mean, these guys are to blame. Two people to blame for the Oilers, all the the problems we have with the amount of coaches and GMs we've gone through to where we are now. Now, now we've got a, a finally a good coach and a good GM. But I'm saying, if you look prior to that, there's no accountability whatsoever in this team. And yet, we expect our players to be accountable. We want the fans to be accountable. But there's some untouchables in this organization, and that's not right.
1: Well, I don't think Shirelli sees anybody as untouchable anymore. Though I don't think he's going to do anything with Connor McDavid, obviously.
3: No, no. I mean, and every, you know, but everything else is. Everyone else is is, is on the chopping block, and they should be. I mean, the the amount of talent on, on paper, this team should be in first place.
1: Well, I don't know well, about I mean, that, I mean, but I don't think they they're, they should have been better than last. You would think.
3: Yes. Now I'd like to talk about Northlands, right? Wait. You're all the whole
1: wait i have one question for you jim i just had a texter text into 630 630 that todd mcclellan is over coaching this team and that he's too much of a control control freak do you want to respond
3: well i, I don't know what the listener is thinking of or what games he's watching but uh, we finally got somebody who knows how to coach and know what the, what knows what the game's all about
1: all right what's what's your northland stuff now i have a well, general knowledge of this i'm not covering it on a daily okay. basis
3: Okay, so let's talk about, they say that they have not made no decisions yet, that they're waiting for the fans to, to write and let them know. Well, if that was the case, why is the horse racing gone? Because obviously they've already made that decision. So don't ask us. The horse is already out of the barn in that one. Don't worry about closing the door.
1: Right. Did you now, hear my interview last week with Rod Cohn? No, I didn't. You should go back and listen to it online. He's a horse trainer. He was really good.
3: Yeah. Now, the other thing that's flawed with their program, first of all, if they think, and I was born in Edmonton, so I can say this, an Edmontonian, if they think that the, the, the taxpayers of Edmonton are going to come up with this wonderful uh, idea that, yeah, we'll just pay whatever taxes you want, Calgary's going through the same thing. And as far as Calgary goes, whatever uh, Kate's got here, Calgary gets, and that's it. No money extra from anywhere. Now, if Northlands really wants to make this fly, and I don't think it will, mind you, they really want then they better find investors other than taxpayers in the city to, to make this work. Because I don't think it's going to be a goal. I wouldn't. I wouldn't invest ten cents in Northlands the way they've run things for the last thirty-five years.
1: Jim, thanks for calling, buddy. Appreciate your opinion. Take care. All uh, right. A- and uh, oh, just going to click that. And uh, Tony's on the line tonight as well. Hey, Tony.
2: How's it going? Hey, I'll make this real fast. I want to just talk about your last caller, Jim. Yeah. I think that he's made my whole year. <laughs> I've been saying that for the last three and a half years to Mister Stoffer to you and everyone I'm just so happy that that guy knows it too I couldn't be happier
1: but thank which, you very which, much which part of
2: it? Uh, the beginning about uh, McTavish's minions and Kevin Lowe once that's scrubbed clean this team will it'll, it'll start performing and this, this coach he's the best we're going to do so good it's not funny like I said the other day I'm sorry but we're going to have to gut this team obviously keep you know two or three maybe right. and uh, we'll be just fine we'll do it real good
1: well, there's a lot of McTavish signings that obviously haven't worked out. There's uh, you can't no, blame the no for the last
2: that. 8, ten years, but you can. And right now, whatever. But uh, I'll just leave it at that. Jim, thank you so much. I'm a happy man.
1: All right. Well, I'm glad somebody can listen to Inside Sports and be happy. 7-12 is the time of day. Of course, Inside Sports is presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow for your Alberta Motor Association's Oilers Hockey, Oilers Against the Kings, AMA Safety and Savings for your family. My name is Reed Wilkins. Uh, yes, th- thank you to everybody who's agreeing with me about the NHL website. That—that that is, I mean, that's to me saying the NHL website is bad isn't even an opinion. It's—it's it's a fact. Like I, I could say, I think bl- blank player is the best player in the NHL, and, and we could have a debate because it's an opinion. The NHL website is just uh, flat out bad all right let's just play the whole justin schultz media availability from today let's hear from him
4: i'm just pretty inconsistent right now um you know i'll be having a good game and then make a brain uh, bad read bad play and the cost of the team so just being focused every shift and uh, trying to help the team win Uh,
3: what do you say about the way um i mean this is been working with you I mean, clearly wanting you to be better but uh, what's what's the relationship like and are you working with him?
4: Yeah, uh, working with him, uh, our assistant coach, coaches, um, watching lots of video and and just trying to get better. Uh, It's a work in progress.
3: There's always talk at this minute here about potential trades. Your name's coming up a lot more this year maybe than in previous years and some might sense the end is near. Is that weighing on you that that this might be the time where it happens? Uh,
4: I don't know if it's weighing on me. Definitely Hear it, hear it and uh, you know, pay attention to it but I just got to focus on playing hockey right now and whatever happens happens um, you know all I can do is go out there and, and play my hardest. I don't like
3: players,
4: yeah yeah uh, you know it's I, I gotta be better uh, you know it's it's on me I guess I'm kind of used to it from Anaheim but um, yeah it's it's too bad it's disappointing but I gotta be better. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, they're obviously not happy with my play, so it's up to me to, to just keep working hard and, and trying to get better and, um, hopefully get them cheering for me.
1: Is this the hardest catch uh, it's been for you as a pro? And
4: what is it that's getting you through it? Oh, yeah, it is. It's been a tough stretch tough year um, you know guys have been good it's pretty easy with this group of guys to get through it um, we'd like to be winning more and that will make
1: everything better so hopefully we can start uh, winning here on the road all right that is Justin Schultz today after practice in Leduc it is 7:15. uh Mark says read please read this on air well he said please He says, I don't understand how the very management who created this culture and destruction of the organization could be retained by the team. That is from Mark. Well, that's a fair comment. Uh, I mean, Stu McGregor was let go. Some pro scouts were let go last summer. Um, McTavish was pushed out of the GM's chair. Uh, Lowe was pushed out of the president's chair. Shirelli came in and had those jobs. Uh, McTavish is still involved in hockey operations, uh, as is Scott Housen. I, I guess, and, and look, when you ask me stuff about why did Shirely do this or why did this happen, I'm not trying to defend those decisions or say they were the right ones even, I'm just trying to think, okay, Peter Cirelli decided this. Why would he decide that? Because I don't think Peter Cirelli came into work for the Oilers and said, okay, I want to do destructive things. He, I think he looked at it and thought, how much can I change in the few months he had over the summer? If I come in and just get rid of everybody, am I am I going to have a staff? I still need people helping me. He couldn't come in and do the whole thing himself and he probably didn't have enough time to change everybody and hire new people, or at least the people that he wanted. I'm sure Shirelli has in mind other changes he wants to make in the offseason, and maybe that will involve people who are associated with the previous management structure. I mean, I don't think he's came in and said, well, I'm going to keep these people. I mean, maybe he wants to find out their competency level, how they can contribute. I mean, if, if you took over a failing business... You might have 20 employees that you think are subpar, but maybe in the first six months you change out the five worst because you simply are worried about finding 20 new ones to begin with. So, I mean, that's that would be my thinking as to why some people who are unpopular with many of you are, are still working for the team. I mean, I don't think Shirelli said, ah, whatever. Ah, this, they can just, you know, I think he's figuring out what, what they can do seeing if their help i'm sure in some ways he, he needed their information uh and their intel and, and then you go from there uh dave simenko is not still on the staff somebody texting in uh all right 7 17 a little more from todd mcclellan when we get back special in-studio guest coming up in a few minutes as well jay ball who uh has been involved in organizing many big events in edmonton big sports background he's now the general manager of fc edmonton he's coming up after seven thirty. This is Inside Sports
0: with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 630Chad.
1: Going to get to some Todd McClellan here in a minute or two. You can get the full McClellan scrum from today, by the way, on the uh, Oilers page on 630Chad.com. Details on the Philip Larson trade, Jujar Kara being called up as well. Your Action Furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace, you know, is home of the fixed right or it's free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Uh, Matthew Panaschik is our studio producer tonight. Did you hear Leah Hextall on Sportsnet last night? She's the studio host.
2: I wish. I was at the game last night like you, so I couldn't hear.
1: There you go. Well, I saw it it later on. I just want to play this little little nugget of, of, of wisdom from Leah Hextall of Sportsnet.
3: In the last six years, that is unbelievable. It almost feels like the NHL has to put a rule on it to say they can't have any more first overalls.
0: I'm
1: not saying that. I'm not saying it.
0: I'm saying it.
3: (laughs) Put a rule on it. You can't suck for that
0: long because it's not fair to everyone else who doesn't suck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First of all, let me be clear. We know that what the Oilers have been through and are going through again this year is awful. And it's embarrassing and it's hard on the fans and it, it shouldn't happen. But I, I said this after they won the lottery when people said, well, the Oilers don't deserve to win the draft lottery. They don't deserve to pick first overall. Deserve has nothing to do with it. The draft is set up every year so the bad teams pick first. It doesn't matter why you are bad or how long you have been bad. And now that there's a draft lottery, you have mindless ping pong balls floating in a machine randomly coming out. So, it, why does there. The, the lottery is, 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 put in fa, is put in place so teams can't tank and be guaranteed the first overall pick like Buffalo did last year. Leah Hextall and everybody should remember this. If not for the draft lottery, the Buffalo Sabres would have picked first overall the last two years. If not for the draft lottery, the Edmonton Oilers would have picked first overall twice. Taylor Hall and Neil Yakupov, right? Uh, or pardon me, Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Then they won the Yakupov lottery and they won last year's lottery. Now, th- look, this this is just, this isn't, I, I know that people are going to, oh, the orders are bad. Yes, I know the orders are bad. But I, I don't care if it's another team, if, you know, Buffalo's probably going to be in the bottom five again. Obviously, the Leafs are going to be, you know, they were fourth last, last year. They're probably going to be 29th or 30th this year. So, look, the Oilers got incredibly lucky last year. It doesn't mean the NHL needs rules. They are—they already have a draft lottery. That in itself is the rule, Leah Hextall. That in itself is the rule. So, it's sad she doesn't understand that. Um... I don't know. That's all I'm. That's all I'm going to say because I don't like to pick on other people who are in the media. But that comment particularly annoyed me. I asked the same question to Jordan Everly and to Todd McClellan today. I asked about that the team seems to have some hesitation in its game. The passes aren't clicking. Uh, you know, they're not able to smoothly kind of get an attack going. Here's what's. Here's what Everly had to say.
5: You know, I, I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, we've had some untimely goals and we, you know, you, you go back to some of the games. I think the last three games I want to, I'm not 100% sure, but we've had to have maybe a chance to teams. I mean, we just have to be able to find, a we get chances, we've got to bear down. I think if you look at yesterday's game, you know, obviously we started slow and, and that was unacceptable. We found a way to crawl back into making it 2-1 and then the next shift we had about four chances to make a tie game going into the third. You know, you score that, it's a, it's a different game. So. Um, you know, there's points for me in each game that, you know, kind of change the momentum. Um, and we've had our chances to to, uh, to change it in our, in our favor. We just haven't done that. So, um, you know, if we do that, we're maybe having a different conversation. So it's funny how this game works. Same question to McClellan. Are there problems
1: with the offense hesitating, not being smooth?
3: Our passing last night was uh, horrific. And uh, to me, that's just not being sharp right off the bat. You have the skill set as a National Hockey League player to make those plays. Um, now, if you've got to go through skates and, and over top of sticks, um, that's not always going to be uh, smooth and, and executed properly. Uh, if the other team's involved in a, in a real heavy forecheck check and you've got to make a quick play, it's not always going to be smooth. But there were opportunities in the game where... Um, a, had to connect with B, and it wasn't it was it wasn't very good. So uh, mentally right now we've got to clean out the brains. Uh, we know how to play the game. Uh, we're not always going to be successful, but we know how to play, and we've got to bring a better game to the rink tomorrow in L.A. All right.
1: Kind of different answers, I thought, for the same question. It uh, seems to me McClellan and Everly aren't seeing that the same way. Specifically, Everly is seeing it different than how McClellan and I are seeing it. Uh, quite frankly, Everly also had this to say about McClellan's post-game criticism of the Oilers.
5: Oh, I mean, it's obviously degrading. You never want to hear your head coach say that, um, and you know even the GM's comments before that. I mean, that, that reflects on our team. So, um, you know, as a group, we got to you know pick ourselves up here. Um, nice thing about hockey is you get a chance to to play tomorrow. We don't have to wait a week like football. So, you know, obviously we need to show that we're um, capable of being the team we can be, and, and, and uh, you know play with some pride and passion tomorrow.
1: All right, 727. Still ahead, Jay Ball in studio. He's the new general manager of FC Edmonton. He's been involved in several big events in our city. Going to be interesting to get his uh, management perspective on sports. Living the Dream is back tonight for another segment. At 8.05, Spencer Pommels, former member of the St. Albert Steel, lived in Grand Prairie. Last year's CIS Player of the Year. He's now with the Rapid City Rush. In the ECHL, and how about this? At 8:30, we're bringing some roller derby girls into studio.
0: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion, inside sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad, thanks for tuning in tonight.
3: It's 7:33.
1: Your latest from the NHL, not from the NHL website. Montreal leading Washington 4-1 halfway through the third. Boston still up 2-1 on Pittsburgh. Two other games start later on. In the NBA tonight, close one in Toronto. Early in the fourth quarter, the Raptors back in front by a point, 89-88 over Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, the Oilers have traded Philip Larson. Remember, the uh, he was in the Sean Horkoff trade about two and a half years ago. He goes to Vancouver for a fifth rounder in 2017. Jujar Kara called up from the farm. Ryan Reeves of the Blues suspended for three games for boarding. Matt Tennyson of San Jose on Monday. Washington Capitals forward Mike Richards has has, his, has had his charges stayed in uh, Manitoba. He was charged with possession of a controlled substance last August. Well, always glad to get different perspectives on sports. We often talk to uh, to players and coaches, and uh, quite frankly, they are usually hockey coaches and players, and a fair amount of football, too. Well, we're going to talk football here of the European variety. Us heathens here in Canada call it soccer, J-Ball. I call it soccer, too. <laughs> <laughs> J-Ball is uh, the new general manager of uh, F. C. Edmonton, of course, that is uh, our team that plays in the North American Soccer League just over at Clark Park, right by Commonwealth Stadium. Colin Miller, by the way, the head coach of your team, Jay, one of the best guests on this show. Love talking to that guy.
0: He is fantastic. I had lunch with him last week. I met him for the first time. And so I'm here I am, four days on the job. I sit down, I get an hour pretty much alone with, me, with him. And, and I found out that this is, this is a guy, 10 minutes into the conversation, you know right away he really wants to do one thing. It's not just about making the playoffs, he wants to win period and you know the the acquisitions they've been making off season how they finished last year how they're positioning themselves themselves for this year and the guy has just built the coach has just built this team around a positive culture and that leads to their trip to scotland there's a reason there's a clear reason why they're doing that too
1: yeah well, we want to talk about that uh i want to talk about you getting into this role first of all to, to be the, the the gm of of a pro soccer team in edmonton where we all know the history of soccer. A lot of teams have struggled. Tom Fath's done a great job uh, being the owner of this team, obviously. Um, but what what lit that fire in you, or like, okay, I gotta I gotta be the GM of this team. You know what?
0: I the reason I took the job is um, I think there's a story to tell. And anytime you sit down with Tom, you understand really quickly that he 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 brought the team here. He spent a lot of time and energy, money over the years to keep the team here because he just simply wants to make a difference in the community. And, and you know what? I want to tell that story. I also want to tell the story of what Colin's doing on the field. And, and I think that we need to find a way to connect people with the game. And um, in my past, I've, I've tried to do exciting things in my, in my career and the different, uh, different work that I've done in the sports world. And I just found this to be an extraordinarily exciting, quite frankly, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. And, um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to get the call one day, and, and all of a sudden, there I was, you know, you know front office of a, of a soccer club.
1: It, now in, it's 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 funny with the different sports because a lot of sports use the same word but the job description is is different, right? I, I mean, uh, right. in in baseball, the manager is on the field; he's essentially the coach, right? Uh, the coach in say the NFL often does a lot of the work in player acquisitions as well, although they do have a general manager. Uh, the, the, in your role as general manager, is this mainly business? Is this business and talent acquisition? Is this business and and marketing? How, how exactly is going to shake down for you? It's
0: 100% business right now. Yeah. It's filling uh, seats, it's making sure that we have the right corporate partners on board, but more importantly it's finding ways to engage the city and educate people about you know what's happening on the field. that's the number one priority and that's why I was brought on because of my background and and I think that um, I think all the different clubs are different if you look around the NACLs, I think a lot of the GMs are are um, are involved in the player acquisition the talent side but um, you know I've had a number of conversations with uh, with Colin and his coaches Jeff and 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 my job is front office, but I don't think that they are uniquely separate. In fact, today we had a big planning session down at Commonwealth, and I, t- I actually took our team to the training site to actually watch. So I took our front office to the training site to actually watch the players train for the two or three hours that been down there. I needed to embed them in in that type of culture and that type of environment, um, Colin. And then brought he brought some of the coaches into our room to to talk to us afterwards they really are it's really one organization and even though the gm does this the coach does that everybody has to be aligned and learning going going forward
1: yeah um you hit on a lot of great stuff there that i want to jump off to other conversations with um your your experience first of all in sports you and i see each other weekly sometimes several times a week because you work on the press box (laughs) yeah you're part of the crew uh at oilers games tell people exactly what you do so
0: i've this is 20th season i'm very lucky you know i grew up watching playing the game uh, coach my son's minor hockey team and i love the game and and uh, so you know i get to uh, do stats and uh, do uh, the announcing up in the press box and um, i've been sitting in the same chair pretty much 15 20 years and there's four or five of us that just run the press box and and, uh, and that's what I do every home game. It's a game game night position. Very behind the scenes, but it allows me to stay connected to the game and uh, and learn and and understand how these things come together.
1: So you're the you're the guy when Rob and I say on the post game show, "There's no way that this guy had four hits tonight." You're the guy driving home who's thinking, "How dare they say that? I was counting." You know
0: what? You know what? It's funny you say that. I, I may not I may not be that guy, but I'll be the guy who finds an interesting statistic. Um, you know, for example, there was a, you know, when, when Gagne scored those eight points, right, there was a whole bunch of statistics connected to that. Um, a couple of years ago when Penner and Hamsky scored five points each in a single game, all those statistics, we were feeding that to all the different media. you got to dig to find out um, the uh, the stats on those. And So there's a bunch of us that help out. Um, as you know, there's the off-ice officials that handle the real-time stats. I'm completely different. You know, work under the Oilers and um, just do my little thing up there and, pretty much under the radar and unnoticed.
1: Well, I noticed you. For people who don't know what happens is the goal gets announced by Mark Lewis or Al Stafford over the PA system. Yeah. Uh, and then Jay's, we have speakers just hanging around yeah. the, the the whole press box level. So Jay will come on and he'll kind of say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, that was an Oilers' goal scored by uh, Eberle is 19th of the season. Yeah. Originally Davidson and, Mc, and McDavid. And then you might have a fact like it's the first time Everly's ever scored a while hat-trick. wearing black tape on his right. laces or whatever yeah, like, he re-
0: like recently scored yeah. a hat trick it was his first right,
1: you, right? S- you give us stuff like if that he's
0: playing in their milestone game like a 400th or 800th game you announce that as well so it's just an, uh, an opportunity to give the media a little bit of extra statistics and it's just in a service that the orders provides and again i'm very fortunate to have that opportunity this is my 20th year doing it so i'm again i'm very lucky
1: yeah jay ball joining us he's the new gm of fc edmonton they're getting ready for uh, their new season. Their home opener, of course, is going to be April 10th. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, too. I, I, I want to ask you about your involvement with the FIFA Women's World Cup 2015 because, uh, you know, we talked about that a lot. I, I was excited that Edmonton got to host so many matches. I also know, at least my perception is, Jay, and I, I experienced it a little bit firsthand last year just trying to get into games because I, found, I told this story, that having a media pass wasn't enough. There were still other hurdles to clear. FIFA to me is this big sort of uh global machine. I mean it's an incredibly powerful organization, not just sports organization. You know, they've had all the corruption issues, which I know you were you were a part of obviously, but but that's what, what a lot of people when you say FIFA, that's what they think of. What was it like to deal with FIFA and and be part of the organization for one of their biggest events.
0: You know, we we dealt mainly with the the Canadian Soccer Association, the CSA, okay. out of Ottawa, and, you know, they they really dealt more with FIFA, FIFA. But you know, as soon as you walk in that stadium, it's all wrapped in red. Right. And they they control everything. You know, and, and dealing firsthand, I suppose, with them in, at at, a, at an arm's length you know my role and so I got involved through a friend of mine and it wasn't even on my radar a good friend of mine Dwayne Venu who is uh, who's for me everybody very well known in the sports world here called me up and said listen I think these folks need some help Uh, let's do something for them and so I got involved and and my job was to move uh, corporate seats hospitality packages for um, the 11 matches here Edmonton was the largest uh, site with 11 matches to sell um, and then, so you know, my approach to sponsorship is you go to spo- you go to sponsor off of the opportunity, and then find ways to make them visible at the game, and so on. And you really couldn't do that with FIFA; it was really locked down. They had their worldwide partners and 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 uh, sponsors down the field, and that was it, which was fine. So you just had to be creative. Um, but the reality is, is you know, we found ways to sell literally hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of tickets. And we found ways to um, sell soccer in the city. You know, I remember a conversation where, on the phone with uh, with people out of Ottawa, and on Ontario, and 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 even beyond, where people were saying, "Okay, you have a 53,000 seat stadium, right? Right? With all the, the the kill zones for TV and stuff. It's 53,000 seats. You have 11 matches." We'd like 53,000 seats <laughs> sold in every game, right? Right. And, you know, we had to educate them a bit. And, and, and Dwayne was a master at this. He's like, you know, listen, number one, Edmonton's last-minute city, and you're going to have a lot of walk-ups, so we're going to have to figure out a way to how to deal with that. And you're going to have to uh, real, uh, set some realistic expectations um, for, for all 11 matches in terms of what you think should be, how many
1: bodies should be Right, of sold, course, right? yeah. Because the opening match had Canada. Well, I guess technically there was a doubleheader that. Oh, no, Canada was was the first game. Canada was was the first game, yeah. yeah.
0: The first two games were doubleheaders. We we primarily focused, actually, I remember very specifically and strategically, we primarily focused on first match, sell it out. And then once you create that scarcity where people can't get tickets to that match, then they go on and then they start buying tickets for other matches. So instead of trying to market all 11 at the same time, you just be real uh, strategic and just sell the first one and then open up the other ones. And, and the first
1: one did sell out, right? Oh,
0: yeah, it was 53,000. That was yeah. a record, I think, until a couple of days. Until they Vancouver beat it
1: by 1,000 or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it then, I mean, sense. and 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 you had the, you must have been, I mean, we were all disappointed, but you could have had Canada back here for that semi. I will, it will would never have changed forget everything. that.
0: I will never yeah. forget that. You know, we had, um, we had uh, a lot of military families had um, had purchased tickets and were ready to go for the game. And it just, it, it turned out, it, it, it could have been that second great giant sellout, right? But um, it, it is what it is, and that's that's the the agony and the thrill of
1: sports, right? So J Ball in studio. He is uh, the newly minted, minted Do you mint I mean, general manager. I don't think so. Nine it's days, tri- you said.
0: It, you it's trial by fire. That's that's what happens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ninth day on the job?
0: Ninth day, day nine, yeah.
1: Day nine. All right. Uh, newly uh, newly named the uh, general manager of FC Edmonton. Uh, he has a lot of stories to tell. He was also involved with the World Juniors, mm-hmm. so we'll talk about that. And, of course, I want you to look ahead a little bit with FC Edmonton and uh, and some of the things you want to do with the team. It's 7.45. We're back after this break.
5: This is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630,
3: Chet. All right, deal 748.
1: Washington trying to you know tie it up against the Canadians. It's 4 3 with 90 seconds left. The Capitals have pulled their goaltender. The Canadians were up 3 Nothing and four one. Montreal's winning. Yeah, Jay. Montreal <laughs> burst out to a three nothing lead. They Sorry. pulled Holpe. Jay Ball in studio, general manager of FC Edmonton. Congratulations again on uh, on the new gig. Nine okay. days. Nine days on the job. Uh, So thanks for making Inside Sports a priority It is within the first (laughs) first two weeks. Uh, Like I mentioned, we love having Colin Miller on the summer. We want to get to know some of your players uh, over the coming months as well. World Juniors, uh, what was that, three years ago now, Edmonton and Calgary? Yeah, a couple, three years ago. So what was your role there? So
0: at that time, I was working for uh, a large charity in the city, and uh, a friend of mine, Lyle Bass, called me up and said, Listen, he was the co-chair of the World Juniors with Jim Poplinski, and he called me up and he said, listen, we got a problem. Last year in Buffalo, for many of the relegation games that were shown on television, there was thousands of empty seats. Right? And they had actually sold you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of the 21-game packages. He said, uh, we got to figure out a way to fill those seats um, when these games are on television, or even just fill them in the stands, period, and he goes, "We're going to need a charitable aspect. Can you come on board?" So for, I worked for a year uh, as a volunteer prior to uh, getting on board, like while the games, while while, while the championship actually happened. But the, the basic strategy was, is um, play people who bought their 21 game packages would not generally just simply wouldn't go to uh, those relegation games, right. and so you've got all these thousands of these empty. What do you do? So what we did is we developed a, a charitable campaign my team two or three people that work with me we would get thousands literally thousands of tickets back and distribute them in the community and you know what we did and i'm a, I'm a minor hockey coach and so i also happen to know that some of the most organized people out there <laughs> are the registrars who are generally minor hockey moms right and so we knew them all in edmonton and i got a list in calgary and i said listen you know this is the world junior hockey championships i got 1000 tickets for your young boys and girls on your team would you like them and they would say yes and i'd say come to the Saddle Dome or come to Rexall, pick them up and distribute them as you see fit. And that's how we did it, we moved close to 30,000 tickets um, into the hands of minor hockey groups. Um, we sent a lot to, the, uh, to YES uh, Youth Employment and, and uh, Support Services and a number of charities around the city. So we gave a lot of kids and minor hockey groups and individuals who would not otherwise have had the chance, the opportunity to see that high caliber of sports. And we moved tickets very, very quickly for example when um when canada was not able to make it uh, past the go get, get into the finals um a number of tickets came back there was like oh. a 1000 that came back right away and um so we were able to call a minor hockey group out of Airdrie, i believe and within 2 hours the registrar showed up and stood right outside um the saddle dome and i gave him the tickets and he called up all of his teams and they just showed up and and so we we were we were, we were able to fill that uh, that um that those empty seats with kids who would Who attended a gold medal match? Right, who would never have had that opportunity? And you know how that match ended in overtime with Sweden winning, right? right, Over and beating the Russians, so just thrilling on every level. And that, that was you know one of my greatest ever experiences. I had the opportunity to uh, to um, do some great. You know, we would we would I would have some tickets to give away to some kids, and I remember walking the concourse at Rex at the Saddle Dome one night, and uh, finding a father and a son. And I remember this was during the bronze medal game. The morning of the gold medal game, and I I saw a father and son walking down the concourse and I walked up to them and said, my name's Jay, I'm with the World Junior Hockey Championships. Hey, do you guys have tickets to the gold medal match tonight? And they said, no. And um, Jim Poplinski had given me his tickets, he said, give these away. And we gave them to this father and son, and there was four tickets later on that night after the gold medal game. I ran into them, and there was like, the wife was there, the husband was there, two kids, and they brought their baby. It was a great opportunity to give people an opportunity to experience that level of hockey that's
1: that's that's an awesome story. Jay Ball joining us, FC Edmonton general manager. Got about four or five more minutes with you here. Let's let's talk about what's ahead for FC Edmonton. I've been to FC Edmonton games. It's an enthusiastic crowd. Uh obviously like a lot of sports in this city that aren't the Oilers or the Eskimos, the, the attendance is not as large. How do you, how do you want to work on that? Build that connection like you were talking about.
0: I I think the number one thing that we have to do is connect our identity to the city. I don't think it's a matter of us coming up with a, coming up with a brand new identity and just ramming it down everybody's throat. The bottom line is, is, who are we and how can we connect ourselves to the city? And the best way to do that in my mind is to really tell, tell the story of the club. And this is one of the reasons I took the job. There are some fascinating personalities on this team. We met some of them today at, at training. Uh, we had a season ticket holder event a couple days ago. There's some great, open, amazing personalities. There's fantastic talent on the team. We just got to get them out into the community. We have to build value around our game day experience. We just have to provide the single most exciting and electric you know, sports experience. You know, at that time of the year, you know, we really don't compete with the other, you know, with the Oilers or the Eskimos to a large degree. I think uh, with the rush leaving town, there's a there's a massive niche for this type of this type of sport, this type of price point. Um, and this type of entertainment, because if you've been to our games and you know how loud certain sections can be, yeah. you know what I'm talking about the Empton supporters group yeah. and how they bring that that rowdy uh, uh, Premier League soccer culture here. Um, that is that's the culture that is trying to be recreated here. Right. And that's what we need to grow. We need to grow that so that we can connect and make it a unique experience. And you the supporters do things in Clark that they could never get away with in Commonwealth <laughs> or in Rexall, right? But that's part of the soccer culture, and I, I think we have to run toward it. I don't think we need to run away from it. I think that's part of our, our core fan base. We're always going to have families. We're going to have strategies to get out kids, but the core fan is the fan that gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to watch their Premier League teams, right? right. That's who we want to get out. And those partnerships with local pubs and, and bars to get them out, and we provide uh, the buses, the match day buses, uh, to, uh, to get them out to the games. We have to focus uh, heavily, heavily on that.
1: I just don't know how those guys remember all the chants without like a lyrics book or something. It's part of their, it's part of their, they love it. It's part of
0: their life. Right. And I will tell you that when I, when I see people and I ask them if they've ever been to the game, those that have been to the game say the game was fantastic, but those guys in in section 107 are crazy. Right. But they talk about them all the time. Right. People remember it. And it's those guys who set the culture, set the atmosphere for the stadium. And so, we have to double, triple, quadruple the size of those of that group. Right. And that's the niche I think for this club.
1: All right, so uh, tell us what's going on. Uh, we have got a couple minutes left. What they're going to Scotland right away? What's going on with that? They're heading to Scotland uh, fairly quickly
0: uh, in the next in the next few weeks. They're gone March tenth to twenty third, and here's here's what they're doing there. Is is I talked to Colin about this last week. He's like, you know what? i got to get the team away from hockey. i got to get the team away from all the snow and ice. I have to get them in the heartland of soccer. Mm-hmm. I have to get them in the culture where they're in the big stadiums. They're playing against teams on big fields, and they, they live and breathe the game. You know, um, when you open up the paper here, it's hockey, 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 some football, soccer at the very end. Right There, it's 10 pages of football, <laughs> soccer, right. as, yeah. they, as they call their football, right? But it's 10 pages of that, and it's, it's nothing, nothing. There's nothing going on except football. And he said, I have to get them into the culture of that and that mindset. So when we hit the field April 2nd for our first game in Oklahoma City, we are ready. We're not looking back.
1: Yeah. All right. So that's when the the actual season will start April 2nd, uh, Oklahoma City, the home opener. Not that far away already. April 10th, Minnesota's going to be here. 45 days. Trust me. 45 days. Jeez. Okay. You'll be on the job 54 days by then. Yeah. (laughs) I can do some math. FCEdmonton.com. Got the full schedule. Uh, obviously all your ticketing info and whatever people want to learn. Are they still? St- are they doing the split schedule again this season? They are. Spring season, fall season. March 2nd
0: we go live with our group sales. We have some very unique things coming up. We have a kids club for the very first time. That'll be launched live on March 2nd and we got a whole bunch of uh, awesome stuff we're going to unleash at uh, April 10th at the stadium. We have a brand new 30 by 50 giant HD screen we're cool. unveiling. It's the, Canada's largest mobile HD screen. It's massive. So that's going to change the entire Uh, match day experience it really is going to switch it around 180 degrees from what people saw last year we'll be able to engage people we're going to have a lot more fun the idea is to create again the most exciting the most electric soccer experience that's ever been here in edmonton that's what we're trying to do
1: jay ball good luck with that we'll have to do this again absolutely jay ball is the new general manager of fc edmonton thanks so much for coming into the studio we have a whole bunch more fun coming up in the last hour of the show living the dream our segment with a Northern Alberta hockey player in a league other than the NHL is between 8 and 8.30 tonight. And in studio with a couple of members of Evil Roller Derby. They go by the names Scarstruck and on Keller. They're going to be in studio. This will be fun.